Today's sponsor is Audible.com, which has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Get a free audiobook of your choice at audible.com slash decode. Recode Radio presents Recode Decode, hosted by Kara Swisher. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode, and you're listening to Recode Decode, a podcast about Silicon Valley's key players, big ideas, and how they are changing the world we live in. You may know me best as the person leading the search for the new Twitter CEO, which means I have a lot of free time, which I use to report on technology. Today's show in the red chair is a little bit different. In an extended interview, I'll be talking to Mark Andreessen, one of Silicon Valley's most influential and well-known investors and entrepreneurs. Andreessen is the founder of Netscape, which is considered one of the most important early internet companies with the invention of the browser. He was also among the early investors in Facebook, and he co-founded the high-flying Andreessen Horowitz venture capital firm, which many consider to have changed venture capital in the recent decade. When Andreessen tweets, which he does often and at great length, the tech industry listens. I have known Mark Andreessen for almost 20 years or more, and we have a lot to talk about. So let's hear what he has to say today. Welcome, Mark. Thank you. It's great to be here. So uh, we have known each other for, since like the beginning of time. Forever, yes. Were you a yes. teenager yes. when I met you? The universe, the universe was formed. I think you were a teenager yes. when we yes. met, or close that, to being one. Right, yeah. You may have just started drinking. Yeah. Um, so you had come out here to start uh, Netscape. When you were younger. Actually, I came out here to get a job. Yes. Actually, when I, when I first came out here, I didn't know I was going to start a company. I didn't know anything about Silicon Valley. Right. And so um, that's when we met. So it's been yeah. a long time. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, we're going to talk about more current things. But I just, thinking about how long we've known each other, and it's been, we're very old, in other words. Um, what do you, what has changed for you in terms of doing this? I mean, I've never been more excited about writing about tech and thinking about tech. Oh, it is just like, so the big thing is that when I first came out here, I thought I had missed all the excitement. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that the PC had happened and I thought that was it. And I thought that we were just going to play cleanup after the PC. Right. Um, and, you know, and then the internet supernova happened and it's still, you know, it's still expanding and this, 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 this new universe has opened up. And so it's just the opportunities for this industry are just so much bigger than they used to be. And to me, it, it was actually a big, I think everybody kind of takes that for mm-hmm. granted. For me, it was actually a very big shock. And then I, I think about and I think about this. You know, we we see kids kids coming here. You know, in their early twenties, and um, and every now and then they'll say, you know, boy, I wish I had been here in the old days when all the interesting stuff uh-huh. was happening. And I just I think I basically think they're all going to be sitting in these chairs twenty years from now saying the same thing. They're going to be saying, oh, it was so crude and primitive back then. Right. What are we going to be doing? It's going to be so much more sophisticated. What are we going to be? <laughs> We're going to be listening to the podcast on <laughs> right, the telepathic exactly. implant in the back of our necks. All right. So. Um- Talk about about the landscape right now, yeah. and we'll talk about the economy. I want to talk about what's next. I want to talk about you just had a baby. Yeah. I want to talk yeah. about screens and how you're thinking about that as a parent. I want to talk about the elections, sure. uh, stuff like that. But let's start on how you look at the landscape now. You've, yeah. How long has Andreessen Horowitz been? Uh, so we so we uh, so we, so we uh, created the firm uh, March of two thousand nine, right? Which was the month of the low of the stock market, after right? The financial, and here we are again. Crisis, and here we are again. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll see. So, yeah. how, so six, what, six years, a little over six hap- years. What do you think the landscape is like? How do you look at the landscape right now? Well, so it's clearly a lot more enthusiastic than it was when we started the firm. So, mm-hmm. so, so basically, like I just I think about is tech, that a euphemism for enthusiastic meaning enthusiastic in all possible in okay. all possible respects right. okay. um, in all possible very carefully chosen chosen right, words. So, so. Um, so look, I, I think the last fifteen years, it, it, the psychology of this stuff is, I think, so important, so central. So mm-hmm. just you know, as, as you well know, after after two thousand, like, but you know, by two thousand three, two thousand four, the conventional wisdom was tech is just dead. Like, internet's dead. You know, big companies are relieved. Like, people aren't going to have to worry it's about any of this new yeah. stuff. It's over. 
you know, 05, 06, so 07, things started to look, you know, life started to come back and you started mm -hmm. to have new companies. Facebook started to take off. Google got, you know, big and established. And then the financial crisis hit. And then once again, it immediately shifted to, oh my God, it's all dead. It's all over. Mm -hmm. And then to kind of everybody's great relief, you know, in 09, it was like, oh, it's actually not dead. Like mm -hmm. it's actually going to be, going to be okay. And then over the last six years, along with economic recovery in the U.S., there's been a, you know, huge, huge surge in tech, tech right. investing, tech, I think progress, tech, you know, companies getting built. Um, and so, you know, it's been, it's been a, you know, it's been the last five or six years have been a fantastic run. Like generally for the industry, things have gone very well. Um, the amount of money coming in has clearly ramped up. Um, right. I, we think some spectacular new companies are getting built. Um, and when you say enthusiastic on the negative side, do yeah. you feel like your firm's been, uh, your firm's been super aggressive and has changed the venture landscape? I think you could argue that you've yeah. sort of upped the game for everybody here. It was a little more sleepy here. It's still sleepy on Sand Hill Road, but it's... You've sort of upped the game in the competition. Well, I think we're representative. So venture capital, there there have been a lot. There have been a lot of great venture capital. We've been lucky as an industry to have great venture capitalists, and I've worked with a lot of uh, you know some of the, some of the great ones. Um, and, and, and so like there, there's a lot to like about venture capital. I do think it is fair to say that the it, it, this, the valley had gotten in a pattern where it was sort of the same venture capital firms year in and year out. And mm -hmm. so the the kind of innovation that came to every other sector of tech had not come to venture capital. Um, and so I think we're representative of a surge of creation and, and entrepreneurship and venture capital. Um, I think we're representative of that. I think YC is another example of that. I mm -hmm. think DST five years ago is another example of that. Mm -hmm. um, you see a number of new firms now. Um, the rise of the professionalized seed investor right. has been a very, very big change. Mm -hmm. um, and so it feels like it, for sure there's more dynamism in the investing um, side um, th than there has been. And I think net net, I think it's been quite healthy. So let's talk about the market because the, the, the discrepancy between public and private market it's, yeah. is happening right now we're seeing a little bit of a stock hiccup maybe yeah. we'll see if it's more than that yeah. what how do you look at this economy right now what's happening in the stock market yeah so first of all i think it's very difficult in the valley we like to you know we focus on private companies primarily mm -hmm. we have we have a bunch of public companies in the in the valley but in you know in vc and startups we focus on that private you used companies. to take public that used to be that was the natural they used to go public in fact when i when, when i when i got here it was very common when you hit 30 million in revenue is when you started drafting your s1 mm -hmm. right and mm -hmm. so which is you know radically different than, than than what people do today um so i think we have this like the cynical view in the valley right now is the, the private valuations are running higher than public valuations right. and therefore that must be a which, bad sign which they are uh, yeah. and which they are, in many cases they are. Um, I think you have to actually look, though, you have to look with equal uh, sort of importance and scrutiny, you have to look at what's happening in the public market in addition to what's happening in the private market. And the reality is, and you just referenced this, the public market is changing a lot. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's much, much different than, than, than when you, you and I were coming up. Um, and I think the big thing that's happened is the public market has gotten incredibly risk averse. Um, the investors have gotten incredibly risk averse. And as a consequence of that, the CEOs have gotten incredibly risk averse. Mm -hmm. And so what I think has happened is I think the time frame over which public companies plan and invest has shrunk to a shorter period of time. Their, their, their time horizon has shrunk to a shorter period as I've ever seen in my life. The financial uh, indicator on that is that this just this year alone, the top 500 companies in the U.S. stock market, the S&P 500, will return more than a trillion dollars of cash in the form of buybacks, buy and buy dividends. Backs, yeah. buybacks and dividends. Which has become very popular among tech companies, which seems rather antiquated. Exactly. Well, and it raises this question of, like, is it is it is it really the case that these companies can't make new investments? Like, is it really right. the case that they've completely run out of new ideas? Is it really the case that there can't possibly be anything interesting to buy? 
Um, so have they just completely petered out of any level of sort of life force or enthusiasm or mm -hmm. ideas or energy? Um, or alternately, have their investors forced them into the situation? And I, I, I think it's actually much more the latter, which is investors mm -hmm. have gotten very Well, you see a lot of companies, Yahoo, was sort of forced into yeah. doing it. Yeah, and I would say that the activist investors play an incredibly central role, but they are only the tip of the spear on this topic because right behind the activists are all the other institutions. The big ones. Right, uh, including all the big, the big mutual funds, big hedge funds, big index funds. They come in right behind the activist, and they are prone to support the activist. And that's a big change from 10 years ago. That was the case right. today that's the case so now they then even, turn around even companies like microsoft and um companies like um qualcomm um and even procter and gamble and now american express like the bluest of blue chip american companies are now under real pressure from their investors to not make mm -hmm. investments in the future um and so what's happened i think is a very is a very straight like there's a very straightforward explanation for a lot of what's happening which oh, is a huge idea. amount of money coming out of the public market and then the irony is those same investors the same mutual the funds and hedge funds are coming into the private side and what they're telling the private companies is, don't worry about the near term, only think about the long term. Right. So they're, they're putting, oops, overly enthusiastic and I whack yeah. the microphone. Um, they're saying invest in, uh, to the private guys, they say invest in long term. Have a 10-year perspective, have a 20-year right. perspective, think like Jeff Bezos. Why don't they want the public companies to do this? So there are two schools of thought. Um, there's the there's the, there's the Andresonian school of thought. All right. We, we debate there's this a school of thought friend. called Andresonian? There's the Andresonian right. uh, school of thought, um, which is its irrationality. All right. um, it, so they're just crazy. They're crazy. And they're, and they're crazy as a result of having gone through the 2000 equity crash and the 2008 credit crisis, and there's, it's, they're just risk-averse. Or you can't see the losses in the other companies. What's that? Sorry? You can't see the losses in the private companies. Oh yeah, well that, that, that's part of it. But just just to focus yeah. just on the public side for a second, yeah. it's just that they they they're just risk. They just don't want to take any chances on anything. Mm -hmm. They just don't want to take chances. They just want the money in the near term. Mm -hmm. uh, 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 and so it's irrationality. And and if you believe that theory, then this is an extreme, and it will swing back to normalcy over the next you know five or ten years. Caused by what? Caused by just people calming down again, mm -hmm. right? Just not okay. being so paranoid and being so upset all the time. Right. Just uh, animal spirits, you know, right. kind of the, the economic concept. Um, the Dixonian theory, my partner Chris right. Dixon. Okay. The Dixonian theory is that it's rational, right. um, which is for whatever set of reason, public companies are now being run by people who are fundamentally conservative and risk averse and being run by management teams that actually don't have a vision of the future for the most part, don't have new ideas and are. So let's, let's go through that. Apple. Well, so so Apple's a very interesting. So yeah. so I mean, Apple, you know, is obviously doing incredibly well. You know, the big investor debate on Apple is is the obvious debate, which is you know, Apple has run the experiment of having Steve Jobs first time and then not having him, and then getting him you know back the second time, and now unfortunately, you know, tragically not having him. You know, last time that didn't go well. Mm -hmm. um, this time, there are lots of arguments that Tim Cook is, you know, is going to be, you know, order of magnitude better than than the previous professional CEO, mm -hmm. you know, from twenty years ago, and is going to continue the in. The results of the company are so strong mm -hmm. that they're you know strongly indicative that Tim is doing a very good job. You so know, someone you consider risk averse? That said, well, so it's not even so much what I consider. I would I would just say this. I would say this. Apple Apple actually both under Steve and under Tim has traded at rock bottom PEs price yeah. earnings ratios the entire are, time. Yeah. Apple's PE ratio over the last ten 12, years nine. has traded. If you take out cash, if, if yeah. with cash it's like twelve. If you take out cash, it's sort of traded between a PE ratio of like seven to ten mm -hmm. the entire time. And this is was during periods of time when Apple has been growing earnings, earning actual right. earnings as much as 70% a year, mm -hmm. right? So a Apple, like one way of interpreting what's happened, Apple, Apple's been trading like at a 10th the valuation that it probably should be trading at over this entire time, mm -hmm. just on a pure finance standpoint. 
And to me, that's an expression. It's an expression of risk aversion, um, and just you know the, the the fear that Apple investors have that the company's going to, I guess, fall off a cliff at any moment. And it, with any product. With any, yeah, this is the next product cycle. You know, they whiff one product cycle and they're 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 right. dead again. But but I, I but I don't even think that has is even a concern about Apple. I think that's just indicative of the broader environment. So, and I think I'll that Apple's one, a Microsoft. Case, if it's happening to Apple, right. it's happening to everybody else. All right. So Microsoft. Well, Microsoft is you're back to it's back to the same question. Right. Like it's back to the same, you know so the good you know good good news new CEO and you know certainly a new level of energy at the company. Absolutely. Uh, and a, and a willingness to you know go after the same cows and, and right. make decisions but it's it's the same thing Microsoft's PE is really low right Microsoft's PE is at generational lows the company makes you know spins off more cash than ever but investors are clearly just in, just objectively investors are looking at it and saying it's never going to grow again so what about companies like Facebook and Twitter Twitter's a totally different story so Facebook and Twitter are different yeah. stories and I'm not going to say much right. on Facebook because I'm right. involved um, right. but what I would say is I think I, you put Facebook and Twitter you put Facebook and Google in special category of founder controlled companies I see. that have performed very well and so they because have, the founders are in control. Uh, the founders are in control so they have license to do whatever they want uh, or what they think is in the, the best interest of the company over the long run. Um, and then Amazon is the other company you'd put in that category. And it's really remarkable that Jeff has gotten in a position where he has the same level of de facto control mm-hmm. as Larry or Mark without mm-hmm. actually having voting control. Right. And that's the consequence of 20 years of amazing performance. Yeah. Um, every other large cap tech company, though, is not in that. You know, the, the rest of them are all much more subject to this this level of Wall Street pressure. I see. Um, Interesting. It, again, so what happens with the private? So the private, what's the... Andresonian theory on <laughs> private companies. Well, the the, the theory actually the the Dixonian theory matches the Andresonian okay. theory in this case. Um, right. It's a lot of what we're doing at the firm is, as a consequence, there's capital flight from mm-hmm. the public market into the private market, and mm-hmm. as a consequence of that, there's talent flight, right? Mm-hmm. And so basically, every day that goes by, more money gets pulled out of the public market, put into the private market, and every day that goes by, more of the young, aggressive, up and coming talent that would otherwise be going to the big public companies is going into the private companies. Um, the most striking example of this, we recently um, uh, we recently announced a new uh, CFO for uh, Airbnb, mm-hmm. uh, like absolutely spectacular individual, uh, mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, and uh, his previous job CFO of Blackstone, right, right, which is the largest the yep. largest single owner of real estate uh, in the U.S. Um, and you know literally has voted with his feet and moved to San Francisco right. um, and is running Airbnb, and he's representative of a much broader surge of talent, uh, of talent you know, talent. from from east from east to west. And from public to private. Despite all this investment and these talent coming in, are you worried? I mean, what, some people think you're you and Gurley, Bill Gurley, are the ones that have created the hubbub, and now you're saying, "Oh, be careful." I mean, yeah. Bill certainly is. Like yeah. now, it's trouble. So you sort of lit the fire. I don't shouldn't say that in California. And then now you're like, <laughs> I can't believe it's burning. Yeah. So that criticism, I think, comes mostly from people who never believed there was any reality to this all along. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, as you're well aware, they're just waiting for. There the- are a large contingent of people who think that this has been all. Can I swear on the podcast? Yes, please do. There's a large contingent of people who have been basically convinced. Basically, there are a large contingent of people who have never recovered from the 2000 crash, psychologically, mm-hmm. in my mm-hmm. view. They're, they're what, what the economists call depression babies. Mm-hmm. right? Stop, yeah. Investors who went through the 1920s and lost money in, in 1929 never came back into the stock market. And in fact, the next stock market bubble in the U.S. wasn't for another 40 years right. as a consequence of the fact that literally people just stayed out of the market. And so I think a lot of people, and I would put a lot of investors in this. By the way, I went through this. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons I think about this a lot is because I try to fight these instincts in myself because I have all the same scar tissue from the 2000 it. crash. Right. Well, just the general 2000 crash. Right. Okay. Just the just the just everything made you wary. Everything going to shit. Yeah. The, it's very easy. You go through something that traumatizing, um, and you're just reflexively defensive for the rest of your life, and you're just like it's like. 
I'm never going to get fooled again. Like I got suckered the last time. I'm not going to get suckered in this time. And so there, there's been this just consistent theme of people basically since the minute tech started showing signs of life, basically saying, oh, no, it's, it's a mirage. You know, it doesn't, it's not actually real. It's bullshit. Well, some people of, started calling bubble in 2004. They did. They like to call bubble. But when you do start 2004, to see it. Just to go back, 2004, there were two acquisitions, yes. Delicious and Flickr, that each sold to Yahoo for $25 million That's each. Right. And people said, aha, it's a new bubble. Right. Um, and so there's just this very strong inclination to just kind of write the entire thing off and just be cynical about it. Is there any worries you have, though, when you when you get at these valuations? Oh, you, you get, well, I would say you, you get a valuation of Uber, which you're not in. You're yeah. in their competitor. Yeah. Um, you know, these numbers are enormous. Yeah, yeah, when so does it crack? Well, but so are the businesses. I mean, right. so, so, so what I would say is, so, so just to kind of complete the thought, um, what I would say is, uh, first of all, I think there's actually an overfocus in valuation. And the reason there's an overfocus, you know, the numbers are just big and they just have these big headline grabbing numbers. But mm -hmm. what you what you don't actually see when you see the valuations, and you know this because you try to sniff this stuff out, um, by definition, these are private companies, and so their finan the financials only ever, you know, occasionally they leak. Yes. But generally, recently speaking, they have been. Recently they have yeah, been. Yeah. Um, but it's really hard to actually draw a read. Like, it's hard for us to figure out what these companies are worth, and we have complete transparency to their financials. Mm -hmm. How somebody on the outside who doesn't have access to their financials is able to draw judgment on valuations. I have no idea how they can actually do it and be serious about it. And so to me, it's a question of substance. It's not a question of like the headline numbers or what people think. It's a question of substance, which are, are these good businesses or not? Are mm -hmm. these, are these, are these... What do you look for right now? What is the most important thing when you say, are these good? What are the... Well, it, it depends on the model. Right. Um, if, if you're looking at marketplace businesses, if you're looking at companies like Uber and Lyft and Airbnb, you're looking for the network effect. There's, there's sort of, it's the eBay model kind of played out in mm -hmm. different markets. So you're looking for the network, you're looking for liquidity. So you're looking for, you're looking for supply to come online. You're looking for demand to come online and you're looking for the flywheel. Mm -hmm. um, and then you look at the internal margins of the business. You look like for example for ride sharing you look at the margin on a per ride basis and on a, on a, and, a and then on a per car per driver basis mm -hmm. right and, and basically if what you see is you're making more and more money over time as you add rides and as you add drivers then the business is going to be very profitable in the out years mm -hmm. and then you look at market size which is okay, yeah, how, how high is up and if the market size is big the company can grow a lot and if you believe all that, then it makes sense to, to, to invest a lot of money to, to get the flywheel even bigger because right. you, you know you'll get the payout in the out years. And that seems to be what's happening in those businesses. We, we were, you know, Airbnbs wanted, you know, right. directly, we're, in you know, we're deeply involved in. Well, Pinterest is a different category. Yeah. But like for the marketplace businesses, like there's a. Like there's an a Airbnbs, the Ubers. There's the... a flywheel playbook. Right. And I think it's working really well. I mean, I don't think it's an accident that Ubers raise money very successfully on the basis of real numbers. Airbnbs raising money on the basis of real Do numbers. Do you wish you had made that investment? In I'm Uber not going to. We're very, we're, we love Lyft. <laughs> we love Lyft. Okay. We're, we're Lyft is doing very um, well. Talk a little bit about, um, I want to get into other issues, uh, yeah. more topical issues like today's uh the social media thing around the terrible shooting because you've yeah. been one of the big pushers we'll get to that in a second but yeah. so wh where do you look for the economy to be and what interests you next so my personal view is the my personal view which doesn't mean you know that much but my personal view is that the u.s economy is just still we're still slogging our way out of a credit crisis mm -hmm. there's this great book uh the economist ken rogoff and carmen reinhardt wrote this great book called this time is different which mm -hmm. is a great title and they went through 800 years of, of financial crises and they looked at the recovery periods and mm -hmm. when you have a credit crisis like you have in 2000 they just document over and over again the economic recovery out of a credit crash which is what we had in 08 mm -hmm. it's a six seven eight year process and uh, the u.s economy has tracked that almost exactly like they described in the book um, and so I think we're just digging our way out. And if you look at all the economic indicators in the U.S., if you look at unemployment, if you, you just you go through all, you look at housing, you look at all these things. There are all these V-curve charts that basically the economy crashed in 08 and 09, and basically has just been in basically slow, protracted, extended recovery ever since. Um, unemployment's now back towards you know in the five percent range. Right. Uh, wage growth is starting now to pick up um, in a in a zero inflation environment. Um, so you'd so be called bullish. See, 
Yeah, so generally speaking, like the U.S., like if you described a scenario for the U.S., if you described a scenario for the U.S. and said, you, as preconditions, you said we want to have low inflation, um, you know, we want to have uh, low interest rates, um, we want to have uh, cheap commodities as inputs into everything that we make, um, we want to have, you know, relatively low inflation, um, you know, we want to have, um, uh, in, in, you know, we want to have a high level of education, a high and rising level of education. Like, these are all the things but that they're we They're not have. unlinked to the rest of the global economy. So now you have That's China right. freaking right. everyone else, Greece did for a while. Yeah. Um, oil prices, these are all... Oh, no, so oil prices are a plus. So right. uh, oil yes, prices are an ambiguous right. plus. Right. This is sort of the thing. Oil prices spike, every, it's terrible for the U.S. Oil prices fall, it's terrible for the U.S. No, it's actually... <laughs> no, it's good, good for the U.S. good for the U.S. when oil, yeah. pri oil prices fall. Yeah. Like, even though our energy sector even gets Even on a hit, political level, It's too. good for everybody else. Yeah. Like, it's good for all the, all the, all the other industries all, mm -hmm. and all, all, all consumers, yeah, by, by definition. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, the, the big, the big, and this is what I think, there's kind of two big explanations for the stock market behavior in the last week or two. Um, one is, yeah, to the extent that China's growth is slowing and to the extent that there's a sort of contagion effect where that causes other interlinked economies to slow, um, it just because supply and demand for all kinds of things starts mm -hmm. to slow down, then yeah, th that will hit us to some level. Um, I don't see any reason to believe it's an Armageddon situation. Right. Like imports, it, imports are important, but like imports or exports, they're actually not that big as a percentage of total U.S. economic activity. Like they're mm -hmm. kind of overrated uh, as a component activity. It's they're they're on the margin of the economy. So where does Mark Andreessen put his money right now? Oh, venture capital. He's enormous amount of money. <laughs> venture capital. All venture capital. Well, no, I'm weird. No, I'm weird. I only have money in venture capital or in um, cash. I don't do it. I actually what don't. in your bed or I something? I don't just do cash. anything in the middle. Muni, Nothing muni, in the middle. Muni. I don't do any. I don't do public equities at all. Right. Uh, right. Why is that? Currencies. Why? Just because I. We take so much risk on the venture side mm -hmm. um, that I just I you just, want a pile of cash. I anchor here. it with cash. Yeah. it's a it's a barbell. It's a Do you swim in it and stuff like that? No, no, no. no. Okay. No. Um, so so you're pretty positive the economy will be stable. It, we're doing the U.S. is doing fine. Like yeah. the U.S. is the U.S. is doing just fine. There's there are issues all over the world. Um, those those issues make sense. I mean, right. I, I don't think I don't see anything happening economically that doesn't make sense. So the election. Yeah. Who are you supporting? Nobody. Is it Scott Walker? Did you give money to no, Scott Walker? No. 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 I've been so far. I'm, uh, I've done anything yet. You're a Republican, though. Correct? I well, I will see. Or are you a Libertarian? I would. would how would you characterize like, yourself? I, I like to call. So I, I call myself a McGovern Libertarian. Okay. And there's a specific reason I call myself. All right. So George McGovern was the yes, Democratic I, nominee I for president him. in '72. You may yeah. recall very, very left yes. guy. So years later, after he left politics, he opened up a bed and breakfast uh, in Vermont, mm -hmm. um, and he was absolutely horrified, uh, experiencing what it was actually like to try to run a business. I US. see. Right. And he wrote an op-ed actually for the Wall Street Journal. Uh -huh. and basically said, had I had any idea when I was a politician what the level of burden and impact it was going to be on business owners that I was going to have to comply with right. you know, 80,000 federal, federal, federal regulations, I would have had a very different view of how to run the economy. So you're a McGovern, McGovern <laughs> libertarian. McGovern okay. libertarian. And I may be the only one. Right. Um, uh -huh. I'm an engineer. So I'm, I'm an engineer, which means I like when things work. Um, and I like when things are like reasonable. How do you explain um, it's Trump right now? Very hard. You know, Trump is Perot. Uh-huh. Uh, Trump. Trump is Perot part two. Trump is Perot. He's what George, will happen there? He's George Wallace. He'll flame out. And and then what? He'll flame out. And then, um, well, actually, Republicans I talked to are starting to talk about a broker convention. Really? Yeah, yeah. Well, so the, the big the big thing is actually the Trump surge is, is I mean, it's a surprise, but it, the, every expectation is he'll flame out. The, the thing that the pros are all talking about is Jeb is really underwhelming. Mm -hmm. And so if Jeb's not just going to walk away with it, then you have this field of 16. Right. Um, and you have a broker convention. And it's been decades since we've had a broker convention. Do you want to get I'm starting to wonder if we'll have two broker conventions. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. I don't think so. 
Well, Hillary is not like... She will shut it down. Yeah. That's my feeling. <laughs> I think she will sh- shut it down. We will see about that. Yeah, but do you do, do you so, think a lot about politicians? Do you... I mean, you know, I, just as sort of a, a sport. Um, you go to the dinners. I see your name pop up. Every once in a while. Yeah. I, you know, look, I mean, most of what we do, the reality is most of what, like we talk a good game and the stuff, most of what we do is, is, is we're, we're micro, not macro. And right. so most of... Most so if of, you're on Airbnb, you want to talk to regulators, you have to deal. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. But but it's like, it's and it's and but it's, it's a specific thing. It's not like some big global... Like there's no... There's no policy. I'll put it this way: There's no policy in the presidential debate that's going to affect how we invest. But shouldn't tech people be less micro and more macro? I mean, do you feel like are you not interested? You should be more interested. Yeah, no? I am, in fact, we've booted up. We, we now are we now are taking this like so at the micro level, we're taking this very seriously, and so we've actually created a policy and right issues around immigration and, and things like that. We're getting very involved in, in this stuff, and we're, but we're they're gonna, always we're gonna, selfish we're go, issues, oh, immigration. There, I, I would say HB one visas, pro innovation. I mean, so yes. our fundamental theme is to be pro innovation and pro new business. Um, and so, um, and then obviously we work, you know, we work with our companies. Um, I don't know. Can, you know, there's, there's always, the, there's always a question, you know, the, the politicians come to town and the pitch is always, oh, we want to hear what you think. And the reality is we want the check. And right. so there's always a, there's always a question of these things of who's playing who. Do you want to give them checks? Do you ever feel like, no, uh, I, I do. I mean, when, they, when there's politicians I like and respect, I certainly do. Mm-hmm. Um, I just haven't like, yeah, no, I haven't found my presidential guy yet. Do you imagine are you more involved in California or state and local? I, I don't know. Uh, open, open. All right. Okay. So, uh, so Trump will flame out. That's interesting. So let's talk a little bit about um, trends right now. Let's talk today's thing. The social media is getting beat up because of this issue. They can't stop this morphing of the the shooter in Virginia, who then broadcasts. Which I can't believe it hasn't happened before. Even though I can't believe I'm saying that. But it's really uh, it's sort of a perversion of social media. Kind of like network. You're feeling like you're watching the movie Network yeah. in real life. Yeah. Um, how do you look at what's happening in social media? Since you've been an early investor, someone who's been a big proponent of it, right. how do you look at that trend, where it's going? I think it reflects people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, like, you know, obviously what happened today was a tragedy. And like, I, I, as far as I can tell, I haven't tracked it carefully, but mm-hmm. about minute to minute. But I gather the companies are trying very hard. They're trying. To, 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 it's to, almost, it's like... Yeah, well, I guess virus. what I, I mean, the, the the counterpoint in this, so you turn on the nightly, you turn on the TV, the, the normal like local news on any city in the U.S., and they're they're always leading with murders and stabbing mm-hmm. and arson and like it's just litany of just you know it's the old it's the old motto in, in mm-hmm. news, right? If it bleeds, it leads. Like mm-hmm. the, the the news business has always been built on this kind of thing, and so it's not new that people are interested in violence and tragedy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like it's people can't get it, but it becomes different in a social Trump sense. Stories. No. It's different. Because everyone can broadcast. It's themselves. the same. I guess it's people. I guess that's yeah. what I'm getting at. Like it's 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 people. It's the same impulse in people that caused them to consume it when it was being mass broadcast. It is now the same impulse that's causing people to want to share it. It's people. Um, and so my view is, if you're a company in this, I mean, for, if you're a company in this space, my view is you try to be responsible, right? And so you you try to be sensitive to you try to be sensitive to victims. You try to be sensitive to community standards. You tr- you try to be you know you try to be sensitive in these things. And you try to do the right thing. By the way, every time you do try to shut down this kind of thing, you of course get accused of the other sin, right? right. Of, of 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 violating freedom of speech, right? And so there's there's always some some balance on these things, mm-hmm. right? Where you have to figure out the figure out the right balance. But yeah, I don't think there's any question in this this kind of case. You want to you want to you want to edit it out in the same way that you would not want to show. Where it is social media going? But, then? but there's no question people yeah. don't want to discuss it. Like right. people, these are and they will, and they have people. these tools. Yeah. So where is social media headed? It's just becoming a, it's becoming just incredibly central in our lives. Like it's just becoming it's becoming a central thing in our lives, and it's becoming a reflection of our lives. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's the thing is it's 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 the people like almost almost to an extreme because precisely because it's social media like it's going to be a ref, a ref, it's going to be an exact reflection of humanity. And you're very and so active. I guess what I would say is like anything we don't like in social media is highly likely to be something that we don't like in humanity. Right. Right. And it's fair enough to not like things in humanity, 
but social media, I, I don't believe social media is creating new, you Tweets know, don't kill people, people kill people. Yes, that exactly. kind of thing. So, um, so you, you're very active in social media. You're on the board of Facebook. Yeah. You use Facebook yeah. not as much as you yeah. use Twitter. No, it I seems. use it a lot, but I use, use it, it, yeah, I use it. Privately. I use it differently. Right. Yeah. So, why are you, you're one of the few that uses it a lot. It's really interesting. Some people do, but you're one yeah. of the more active users. Why is that? What's with the tweet storms? What, it started about two years ago, right? Yeah. January. Well, so before that, I blogged. And so for me, right. it's a continuation of blogging. Right. So I blogged intensively for about two years. Yes, and then you I did. Just, and then we got busy starting the firm. Mm-hmm. It turns out, it turns out starting a new venture capital yes. firm is a yeah. time-intensive yeah. uh, activity. Yeah. Much, so, like, much like starting a new yes, media company. Yes, indeed, indeed. And so I just, I ran out of time. And then when, when I popped my head up again and I had time uh, to publish again, to write and publish, it just, I decided to do it in the other. What was the invention of the tweets from? What are you trying to do there? Oh, what, are just you, what, hap- what are you, sitting somewhere? Are you with Rupert Murdoch? What's well, happening? Just, why would I limit myself to 140 characters? I know. So what? Just, you just, just started that doing just, it? That just seems so constraining. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And what's your longest Well, I mean, my story? basic view is they should just give me an exemption and let me have 1,400 character tweets. Really? But you think that's going to happen? So far, my lobbying has not. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I was working on Dick on that one for years. I'm going to have to, whoever the new person is. I'm gonna, who is the know, new CEO? I don't know. What are, you, are you still an investor in we Twitter? No. 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 Yeah. Um, what do you like about it? Because you, you really very comfortable in the medium. Oh well, there's two. There's two. I mean, there's two things. One is on the consumption side. It's just it is remarkable, and this is true of Facebook as well. It's remarkable. I mean, there's it's humanity, and in human, including in humanity, are like there are really really smart people, um, and there are a lot of smart people on on on, on Twitter, like Twitter, mm-hmm. like Twitter, and just like Facebook. If you construct the, your follow list like properly, it really mm-hmm. is magical. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's like it's become a primary uh, form of, of news and information. Mm-hmm. What's um, going to happen to Twitter in a really wonderful way? You know, that's very dependent on the – I mean, I, I, I think I – I assume it's going to do very well. It's extremely dependent on the selection of the CEO. What's been the problem there, if you had a look at as an investor? Well, <laughs> the problem, problem in Twitter – problem with Twitter is a very interesting uh, kind of concept because um, I, I was – you know, my sort of reflexive position on this is anybody who thinks Twitter has been poorly run should go start a company and have 300 million users and $2 billion in revenue in less than 10 years. Mm-hmm. And it, once they go do that, they can come mm-hmm. back and cr- critique Twitter. So that's kind of my reflexive mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> kind of response. So all you shut up. All you <laughs> – Oh, it's just like there's a level of critique of it that's just a little bit over the top, given mm-hmm. how much they've accomplished, and they've mm-hmm. done amazing things. Like it's it's so much. It, I mean, it's just it's obvious, right? It's so much more successful than you know, a hundred thousand other attempts to do the same right. thing, right? And so they, they they've done. There's real magic there. Um, you know, look at the same time. It's it's an it's it's just an objective statement that user growth has slowed, um, and so it's just an objective statement that they haven't tapped into the same. You know. <laughs> quote air quotes only 300 million users right? right well you know it's like okay 300 million users is i think their crime is they're not facebook and they set themselves up that may that. be and so part of it i think part of it has to do with expectations um and then part of it has to do with this kind of fundamental i think the new ceo is going to have to look at and i think they've actually you know jack has talked about this publicly is like okay like is the is the use is sort of this fundamental use case question of like is it for the people who already use it or is it for all the people who don't already use it and I actually think you can make an argument on both sides of that. Like, I think I, one could imagine a great CEO of Twitter coming in and saying, you know what, this is not for the entire world. This is for people who really want to be in the flow. And we want to make this a spectacular experience for the 300, people, 300 million people who use it now. Right. And we can grow Which that. Some argue people they haven't done. You could argue, like, if, like so you say, even, even without grading them, you could just say if that was your only mission, you could focus on that. And you could, you could do things on that that you couldn't do if you, just, if you had a broader agenda. Um, that would be one path. Another path would be to say, no, that's unacceptable. This has to be, you know, to your point, this has to be as big as Facebook. This has to be something that's universally Which used. Which they themselves sort of set. Which that. they themselves have set that expectation right. you know, up until now. Now, right. the new CEO has the ability to reset that expectation wherever they want. Is um, there a preference you have for a CEO there? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of reflexively in favor of founders, um, right. you know, when, when possible. Um, right. And so if Jack wants to do it and can do it, or if Ev wants to do it and can do it, like, right. or some combination of the two, I would always be in favor of that. Um, you know, my, my stock advice to this is if you don't have a founder who can do it, you want to 
product centric CEO. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes people listen on that. Sometimes they don't. Yeah. Sometimes so before we go to a break, I want to ask you one more question about the Google name change. Yeah. What did you think of oh, that? Oh, it's spectacular! It's fantastic! It's Why? spectacular! Um, it's a really interesting experiment. Um, uh-huh. uh, so it's it's a it's a it's it's a it's a it's a push into the future, mm-hmm. um, in the sense of now setting them up to be able to do a lot more new things, which mm-hmm. is really exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also a throwback. It's a it's a it's it's like, like a, it's General Electric, right? Yeah. General Motors, like when when Hewlett Packard. So why when, is that spectacular? Well, because it's just it's the it's the best experiment. I can't imagine a better experiment. Like I can't imagine a better person to run the experiment than Larry. If the experiment works, it will set a template for the for tech companies and hopefully other companies to become a lot more innovative. Mm-hmm. Like if the experiment works and the result of this Meaning is, that they can have these separate companies. You get five or ten or fifteen or twenty things that aren't Google coming right. out of this under the structure and they go supernova themselves and it's self driving cars over here and it's you know, blue and internet over here and it's why couldn't they do that before? Biotech. Well it's just it's it's this fun it's this it's it is part of the part and parcel of being on Wall Street, which is you do tend to get like, you know, Google generates a huge amount of cash, everything else under Alphabet burns cash. Right. And so the theory is by clarifying that, by breaking that out, by having CEOs, you can have they didn't care before. Well, they decided they care enough to make the change. Why I mean, do they care? Th- there are pressures. There, yeah. you just after a while, there, there, you, you start to get internal pressures. After a while, picture yourself as an employee on the Google search team, basically mm-hmm. saying, "Why am I generating all the money and carrying the load of the self-driving car team that's mm-hmm. just burning money?" And so they actually, I think, have an opportunity to improve internal operations and morale by splitting that out. Also, imagine executive recruiting. It's easier to get. You know, you can get people for CEO so you like who it. you can't get. What's that? You like it. Yeah, I, I think it's great. I think it's fantastic. Now, that said, there is a reason why conglomerates stopped working, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? There's a reason why venture capital emerged. There's a reason why startups emerged. There's a reason mm-hmm. why conglomerates fundamentally stopped working. Like, there's a reason why conglom- conglomerates didn't go out of style just because, like, fashion changed. Right. They didn't go out of style because they didn't work. Right, because like, there was focus. focus. Yeah, they weren't focused. Right. And, and, like, there's a real benefit to focus. Now, Alphabet has a story on focus, which is each thing is focused. Right. But there's a reason why you don't have all of Silicon Valley under the IBM holding company. Like, mm-hmm. the, 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 the model did stop Would that working. that work for Facebook? Um, it could. I mean, it's it's you know it's a question for Mark. It, it certainly could if he wanted to do it. He's he's in the best position to do it. Other you know he and those two companies are clearly in the best right. position right. to do it. All right, now for a quick break to hear from our sponsor. If you're always on the go like myself and don't have time to sit down and read, Audible.com is a great source to be able to catch up on the latest bestsellers. Listen to it while on the road or at the gym. Audible.com is a leading provider of premium digital spoken audio information and entertainment on the internet. Audio content contains more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Audible carries audiobooks in every genre imaginable. Business, classics, history, and self-development, just to name a few. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30-day trial membership. Just go to audible.com slash decode and choose from over 180,000 audio programs. Download a title for free and start listening. I am right now not listening to anything Donald Trump has written, but I might someday. It's very easy to do. Go to audible.com slash decode. That's audible.com slash decode and get started today. We're here with Mark Andreessen talking about a range of topics in Silicon Valley. We're at his beautiful office here on Sand Hill Road. And he has become a venture capitalist. He was an entrepreneur before that. Mark, did you do you miss being an entrepreneur? Oh yeah, you, for sure. Do you ever think of starting another company? Um, no, not for like I don't know, maybe my maybe maybe decades from now. Why? Why? Why not? I did it. I did it. I started three companies. Um, I've been involved. You know, this is a startup in and of itself. You know, this right. Is sort of startup number four. Right. Do you um, miss operational? Yeah. 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 Creativity yeah. like that. Yeah. 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 You do. Well, I mean, look, I, I'm, I'm not a, saying you're not creative, but it's a different. You know, I, I loved. I I, I, I loved. Pro, I loved programming, um, mm-hmm. and then I loved being an entrepreneur, and I love doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, they're 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 just different. 
Um, this is, I would say, this is not a good job for somebody who defines their life by being able to run things. Right. And there are a lot of people, or, or for that matter, for people who want to, you know, define their life by building things. And so this is not, this is definitely not, this job gets too sexed up, I think. Um, people get too high of you. Like, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a job like any other. Mm-hmm. And it has its high points and low points. Um, so, yeah, I, I do miss it. But at the same time, I, I love what What would doing. you work in if you were doing right now? Oh, mm-hmm. if I, well, so, <laughs> the way I think of it is if I were in college. Um, well, or if I just, just mentally kind of went back to college. Um, there would really be two areas that I would find most interesting. So one is intersection, per, this is just personal on my part, intersection of biology and computer science, mm-hmm. um, I think is getting really interesting. Um, food? In a fundamentally new way. Food is included food, in that. Food, bio, food, yeah, food growing body, hearts. Work, yeah, exactly. Three, everything, you know, everything, all, new, all, every, all the sort of consequences from genomics, all the consequences from stem cell research, mm-hmm. 3D printing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I re, you know, you read these articles, 3D printed organs, like mm-hmm. it's just like, wow mm-hmm. like stuff is happening now uh quantified self i think is going to evolve in an incredibly important field mm-hmm. you know companies like theranos and and um you know we have this uh, company ubiome which is sequencing the biome which is this whole th- you know it's a whole universe of, of of health that's opening up um and so that's that's one area and we're actually pushing we're pushing uh, ourselves harder into that as a, as a consequence um and then the other is the intersection of of um i just absolutely fascinating the intersection of computer science and, and financial services mm-hmm. um and but you just hired a partner to yeah yeah exa- exactly right uh alex um uh and so um and I just, I, I, you know, I, I think that, you know, I basically think like the two foundational technologies of, of, of human life at, at, at root, the things that have made the world a great place um, over time are, are, are language and money. Mm-hmm. Um, and you forgot I, sex, Mark. <laughs> it's, it's, We're going to talk about your baby soon. It's implicit in the, in the, uh, in the, in the statement. Um, and so I just think there, there is a turn on financial, uh, financial technology and on what markets are going to be able to do in the world that's mm-hmm. going to be linked to computer science. Beyond Bitcoin. Be, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, Bitcoin is a big part of that. Cryptocurrency is a big part of that. But even just more generally, the ability to have prices on things, the ability to have markets for things, mm-hmm. the ability to unlock equity that hasn't been unlocked, uh, the ability to value things that haven't been valued. It, the like, insurance, everything. Insurance, everything. Yeah, I just exactly. did a, a home mortgage thing on this new, some of these new, and it was fantastic. Yeah. It was yeah. such a different experience. It yeah. was really interesting. Mm-hmm. It's sort of as easy as ordering an Uber kind of thing, which yeah. is interesting. And most people in the world, I mean, you know, like most people in the world have not had access to any kind of modern financial service in their mm-hmm. entire lives. Um, and that's a real problem. Like we like to, you know, there's a lot of cynicism around financial services, but like if you can't get access to credit, like it's a real problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and so most of the people in the world have never had access to credit. And, you know, smartphone enabled world you could all of a sudden give credit to everybody. Well, you could probably add real estate in that because that's changed rather dramatically. Yeah. But like, there's a lot of her, if, you, if you read the work of DeSoto, mm-hmm. uh, the Economist DeSoto, like the, mm-hmm. m- most of the world, real estate hasn't been properly right. It's it, it, if you, and a lot of it has just governance, but basically, like the entire thesis of this Economist who wrote this book about the origins of economic growth, and he basically says is the thing that will kill economic growth is if you can't assign value to land. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are still quite a few countries in the world in which nobody actually owns the land, or the ownership is screwed up to the point where nobody mm-hmm. can do anything from it which means they can't borrow against it. If you can't borrow against it, then you can't modernize farming, you can't build manufacturing, you can't pay for schools. There's all these things you just can't do. And, and like, we've long since solved that problem in the U.S., but there are very big countries in the world in which that is still which a is massive your, one of your problem. primary interests in Bitcoin, for example, yeah. Yeah, just yeah, keeping yeah. stability. Yeah. Do you, um, what would you like to have invented in the uh, health space? What would you like to, if you could think of anything, if you could oh, fund I, anything? I haven't, you know, there's, I mean, there's so much going on. Um, you like a know. clone, Mark? Yeah, cloning would be that would be ideal. Oh, um, not for the rest of us. But. Uh, <laughs> we we would change your mind. Yes, um, <laughs> all, all ten of you. Uh, and then uh, what else? I don't know. Sleep. I, I would. As, yeah. Not having sleep. Not having sleep would be absolutely spectacular. Really? Yeah, yeah, what are you like a great. vampire? Yeah, exactly. Really? Seriously? I love I love being up in the middle of the night and then I just I, I know like, that you te- you text me you can, sometimes you can, you can, and funny pictures yeah. and stuff like that. You would like not to sleep. Yeah. You exactly. don't enjoy sleep. No, not even a little bit. Ah, interesting. Yeah. What about food? 
Uh, Do you see yourself soylenting it up? Oh, I mean, it beats the frozen burrito over the sink. Yeah, okay, but Um, but there is some pleasure in food. But there was just just a recent, the founder of Soylent did a whole thing about how he doesn't have a kitchen. It was really interesting when you start to think about it. The workload around food. Yeah, well, cleaning. he lives. You know, he lives he, like Rob more than almost anybody else. Who back, like he lives. This in the is future. Rob Reinhardt. Rob Reinhardt. Like he has a very specific view of the future, and like he lives in the future, and he. Rep- you know, we have this concept called founder market fit. Right. Sort of the complement to product market fit, and like Rob is founder market fit to like the nth degree. Like, right. Even beyond the other, the other people we work with, and so he he lives in that future. Um, you know, for most people, for most, it's just <laughs> I find the criticism of soil really entertaining because. The current status quo in food is a disaster. Right. It's a disaster on the consumption side, which is why we have all these rising rates of obesity and diabetes and all these public health issues related to it. And then it's a it's a, also a disaster on the production side, which is the modern food supply chain He's is killing a the full planet. Half of carbon emissions globally, right. a full half. Mm-hmm. So if you could just fix food, <laughs> you could take out half of the problem leading to global warming. Yeah, right? that's and, true. Right? But it tastes delicious, and soylent doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> it tastes delicious. So, <laughs> some food tastes delicious. Yeah, um, I have a painting at home that says. Animals taste good. I'm sure all the. It's just funny. I just like to bother everyone in San Francisco I, when they come to my house. I am a meditarian. Yeah, a meditarian. Yeah. Ah, and it, that's one of the Andresian. Andresonian. It's, it's, oh. it's a key pillar of the Andresonian. Yeah, platform. you and Chris Dixon is Thomas Jefferson and um, <laughs> Alexander Hamilton. Somehow doesn't work for me. But entirely via emoji. Yeah. Oh, emoji. Oh, nice. Very yeah, big and thoughtful. So, um, content is another area you've put yeah. money into. Why? Yeah. Well, so part of it, I mean, one is I just, I love media, I love news, I love mm-hmm. information. I, I, you always I, have. I, I swim in this and I always have. Um, and so it's, it's something I've always been very enthusiastic about and studied a lot. The other is Jonah, I mean, a lot of it comes down to Jonah uh, mm-hmm. and what he's built at BuzzFeed. You've put how much in BuzzFeed? So we have, I can't remember. A lot. We've been, it's a substantial investment. It's right. a big investment for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I think it was 50 um, million. Yeah, it's, it's on the order of that. Um, yeah. And so it's a big investment. And he has just built – we think BuzzFeed is really underestimated. We're we talking think, him in two weeks on this podcast. Yeah, we're like what, what he has built there and what they're going to do. What is, has he built there from your perspective? He has built – he has built the media company of the future. He has built the media. He has built the media. If you could reincarnate, if you could literally like reincarnate like Henry Luce um, or David Sarnoff um, or, you know, Ted Turner when he was in his 20s or something like that, mm-hmm. and you said build the internet media company, this is what those guys would have built. What do you think they do right? What is the, And what do you think they do wrong? Well, so they're completely, they've optimized everything. They're completely on the right side of history and they're not doing any of the stuff that's on the wrong side of history. So the, 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 the single biggest thing is they're completely optimized for the new, the new distribution. The, there's no effort at BuzzFeed going into getting people to still get print subscriptions to newspapers or magazines or getting mm-hmm. people to come in through a paywall or go into a website or any of this stuff or even go to an app. They don't even want people to go to the app. It's entirely optimized for the new distribution, for the new consumption, right? And so the, pe- the way people are consuming so much more. And you using can, Facebook. Facebook using- and Twitter and Pinterest and Snapchat and all, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and, and notifications on the phone and on the watch and like on and on and on. And by the way, there's more of those all the time, right? That, that's an expanding universe. And so Pinterest is an ideally designed um, media production content distribution company aimed at the new consumption patterns and just laser focused on it. Do you it's think a, it's, it's too it, light in that way? I'm not going to oh, make that argument because old media is very light. Well, this too. what's interesting is they're not doing, they're not one of the now best investigative journalist organizations in the mm-hmm. world. Like they brought on board. But the that's pe- not what makes the traffic. No, but that isn't what makes the traffic of the New York Times either. Yes, that's true. Right. And so, so, so they are, they are very much, they, they do top call. Did you see the FOIA? I don't know if you saw the numbers just came out. No. So FOIA requests. So one of the mm-hmm. ways people have always evaluated news organizations on their, how many their series is how many FOIA requests they make. Mm-hmm. And it turns out last year it's like the New York Times is the only traditional news organization that had any significant level of FOIA requests and all the other leading FOIA requesters were all the digital media companies mm-hmm. um, and, in partic- and and BuzzFeed was way high up there on that so list. So you're high on They're a serious media. investigative journalist operation. Are you? They're doing um, amazing long form work. But yeah, they do and this is also what I say is there's, there's the, the critique of BuzzFeed is funny because 
the the whole concept of the newspaper, like people now have this romanticized view mm-hmm. of, of I the don't. newspaper. I left a long time you, ago. You don't, but like a lot of people do, and what they forget is the the newspaper had horoscopes and it had the you mm-hmm. know uh, you know it had the um, it had the you know there was the comics and Landers, and, Landers. Um, and it had the comics and it had the sports cores and it had the classified mm-hmm. ads and it had the stock quotes and it had the puzzles, mm-hmm. you know, and it had all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And so it, it, the media has always been a blend of of, of, of serious and fun, mm-hmm. but because our lives are a blend of serious and fun, I mean, people don't want to just sit and be like, well, you know, old media journalists like to take themselves very seriously. Very, very seriously. Right, right. Yeah. And so that so significant, like BuzzFeed just, BuzzFeed has no, they have no illusions, they have no baggage, they have no legacy problems. It's Were you worried about the advertiser issue they had a while back? I don't even know. They they pulled stories because advertisers oh. didn't like them. Not that that's never happened in an old newspaper. Oh, yeah. It's still so not they, a good practice. So what they so I I'll take John at his word, which is he's like they, they were they were they ran experiments. So they mm-hmm. didn't just immediately spring on the model. They have they ran experiments over time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like any organization, like you know, they evolved over time. I, I think they're I think they're genuinely should taken there very be a new now. media organization that listens to advertisers a little more. So I don't think it's a like. I don't. Uh, yeah. The, so, like, look, the journalism side of BuzzFeed is 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 as is as, as walled off. Like, one mm-hmm. of the condi- uh, give you an example. The con- the condition, a very explicit condition, Jonah made for us investing in BuzzFeed was we have no editorial input. Mm-hmm. And of course, the answer is of course we don't have editorial right. input. Like, the whole basis of building something like this is that you don't like you right. compromise the quality of what you're building. Like, we're, we're in favor of high quality products. High quality products in journalism means objective journalism. And now he's getting investments from big media like yeah. NBC. Yeah, which is interesting. Yeah, and so I, I don't think there's any. Di- I don't see any difference in action between BuzzFeed and any other high quality. Journalist, journalism operation. I, I think the journalists there, by the way, would confirm that. Wait, let's move to uh, one more topic, and then I want to talk about you a little bit, um, about the changes in your life. Um, diversity. Yeah. I bring it up all the time. Yeah. I'm like a broken record on this yeah. issue, but it's pretty, it's still the same. Uh, we had Erica Baker uh, on today's podcast talking about, the, that was published today, talking about the what happened after she published salary discrepancies at Google. Mm-hmm. Your firm does not have a woman partner so, let me give you yes. the numbers all right numbers all right yes i love the numbers mark we are about 110 120 i'm talking about the firm. general part uh, so let me talk okay. about the right. firm okay. like, it's not just right. the gps so account all right um i'll come back to that so um we're 54 percent women mm-hmm. um so we're higher representation of women in the firm than we are than there are like in the country so mm-hmm. 54 percent women we're 18 percent uh, african-american latino we're 10 percent african-american latino women mm-hmm. right so we actually have more african-american latino women than we do men which mm-hmm. actually very, I, i'm very proud of um what we don't have yet is a female or african-american latino General partner. What right. I would argue is that's not the actual problem. Right. Ben has talked about this. Yeah, that's not the actual problem. The people who are at the level in their career where they're they're at the level that we have for general partners, the world is their oyster. They have thousands of opportunities for what they can do. And our biggest problem recruiting them is they have too many other options. Mm-hmm. And we've made repeated attempts to bring people on board. I knew and that. Like they can't they can go do whatever they want. They can go run any company, they can go start any company, they can go be a VC anywhere they want. They have the world by the by, you know, they have the world in hand. They can do anything. The, the thing that we're really trying to get at in terms of the internal operations of the firm is, is growing the next generation is where mm-hmm. we think we can have an impact. And I think we might have a unique opportunity to have an impact there because we're the only firm that I'm aware of um, that, that is a serious venture capital firm that does not have an internal promotion path to GP. Mm-hmm. We're designed to only have GPs come in from the outside, and I could go through in detail why that is. The side effect of that is every woman, African-American, Latino, anybody from any group who comes through Andreessen Horowitz is going to go somewhere else. Uh, and so basically what I think we're doing is we're growing a crop of people who are going to be the next generation, yeah, ben has argued, including the next generation of GPs at many other venture firms. Ben has argued that you shouldn't make that a criteria. But it seems that it turns out, like, when the, when the Twitter board was all white men. 
Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, That's yeah. a mathematical impossibility. So look, there is something happening there that is the game is fixed. Oh, I mean, I'll level. let them. I, 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 let, I don't want to But in general, it's all over Silicon Valley. I, I don't mean, know. So we HP, we just split the HP. We just, right? We're just splitting HP. Both boards um, both boards have extremely strong representation by women mm-hmm. um, and by African Americans. Like, I don't think it's that. Like, at do that you level, think it's an important thing to do, even if it's symbolic? Or oh, yeah, do you of course. think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? Yeah. Because it's, 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 I think it's important for everybody who can contribute to have a chance to contribute, mm-hmm. right? And I think it's, it makes sense to have people be able to have the opportunity to contribute. I think it makes sense for people to have the opportunity to learn. It goes back to I'm an engineer. It's not logical to not have access to the complete pool of talent. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. It, it's cutting off opportunity. So what? How do you make that happen? Besides it, growing, you what, do it. I mean, why you, isn't every what happens in Silicon Valley where it doesn't happen? Well, no, Here is one of the most tolerant, yeah. fair-minded, supposedly yeah. fair-minded meritocracies, yeah. which they like to push. And it's still a reflection of no, an old timey thing. So I think it's a work in. Pro- I think it's a work in. Pro- it's a work in process. It's just it's something that has to be done. Over- it doesn't happen instantaneously. Do you think it takes the time men in charge are committed to this? To do I think this? the commitment level is growing very rapidly. I think it's really escalated in the last five years. When I talk to people about this, it's a very serious topic. What was super striking is when we were doing this stuff around the gay issues in Ohio. Everyone came forward to talk to us, and when we were doing the Ellen Powell stuff. Nobody wanted to say a word. <laughs> no comment. No comment. Why? Well, it's there's too many on that one. There's just too many intersection points. There's right. too many relationships. There's too many. I, yeah. There's but just, even on a general topic, they didn't want it. Well, here's the other thing: is you get these flashpoint, and and there's there, you get not talking about Ellen specifically, but just generally, mm-hmm. you get these. No, I'm flash, talking about the issue. Yeah. You the get large... these, but you get the, what happens is the flashpoint incident and the issue are not necessarily the same thing. Right. Sometimes they are, and sometimes they aren't. Sometimes they become symbolic. Uh, sometimes the symbolism is accurate, and sometimes it's not. And sometimes. So it's just it's a complicated topic. People have all kinds of you know there's all kinds of issues that come to bear on it. Mm-hmm. When that happened, did you all what did you do here? Did that make that venture capital nervous? I, I, which part? The, uh, the trial itself. Oh, I, I, I'm gonna I'll, I'll take right. a pass on that. Yeah. Okay, all right, okay. Um, <laughs> I don't want to speak sure? poorly of anybody. Yeah. No, not poorly of anybody. But did you? No, what did you, you think of as a firm? You like, can't talk about that topic. You can't talk about that. Why topic. not? Because it's, things went wrong. I mean, it's, something went fundamentally wrong. Right. So you have to talk about. The did fact you that, institute any changes in your firm? No. Because of it. We, well, we're just we were. Like I would say, like we're we're designed, like we're just better designed for this. We were, we, we designed explicitly for this, which is right. why we have the numbers that we have. I see, interesting. And so I, I think we're quite well set up. All right, I'll leave you off of that. Yeah. Are you? Um, but you think it's an important. It's going to get better. Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of effort. I mean, look, uh, yeah. Is, is, the last non-Mark no, question. You just yes. defend. Speaking of people, yes. defended Amazon around that New York Times yeah. story. Yes. What? Why? And t- explain. So that yourself. one I feel strongly about. So let me start by saying um, the specific incidences that were described in the article are clearly mm-hmm. terrible, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, um, th- there's no letting off the hook for those specific incidences. Um, so, and, and that's you know, and that's in the context of a big and important company, a company that has 150,000 employees. But those are important, Im- Im- important things. Um, that said, the idea that those are part of a broader pattern um, is something that I have never seen, and I mm-hmm. have some basis for being able to say that because I, I and we at the firm have interviewed and worked with literally hundreds of people who are either at Amazon now or have been at Amazon, mm-hmm. and it has that kind of thing has never come up. So mm-hmm. we not once have it's I ever – It's a tough ta- place to work, though. It's a tough place. I'm going to come back to that. It's a tough place to work, but the, the, the specific, you know, these horror stories that were in there, and let's just assume that, let's just assume they're all true. The horror stories of, you know, cancer and miscarriage and stuff like that, I've never, like – 
if there was a pattern of that at Amazon, the scream from the Amazon employees, the professional employees at mm -hmm. Amazon, and the rate with which people would be flooding out of Amazon, and the stories that they would be telling us. I mean, we hear this. You hear this stuff. Mm -hmm. We hear this stuff. Mm -hmm. Like they tell us everything. Um, and you just you do not hear that from people who come out of Amazon. Men, mm -hmm. women, people who've been there early, been there late, been there for a long time. You don't hear it. You don't hear it as a reason people leave. You don't hear it as something they saw when they were there. So, so I think. So I just I just think it. I just think it's 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 fundamentally unfair to take a handful of you know it's, they sort of talked about this as anecdote based, based reporting mm -hmm. to take a handful of anecdotes and then extrapolate it up into this view that there's some sort of comprehensive regime of terror happening mm -hmm. at Amazon. Um, I just I just think is like is is like untrue. The deeper issue is the issue that, that you alluded to, which mm -hmm. is um, the high output organizations are intense, mm -hmm. right? And there are a lot of places in the world where people go to work or people go to you know people go into environments in which things are like you know it's okay and people have nine to five jobs and like everything is like friendly and like it's all you know it, when, there's lots of that. And then and then on the one hand, then there are organizations and there are you know teams and there are companies and mm -hmm. there are professions that are intense. Right. right. And so like, you know, it's like people go to medical school, like people go to medical school and then complain because they have to go through the stuff that they have to go through to become right. a doctor. Like it's like, you and just, Amazon is known for that. Yeah. And they're, 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 they don't work pet hard. the people as much as they do here in Silicon Yeah. yeah. And, and that's what I would say is it's, it's, it's so funny. It's like, cause there's, there's twin critiques on tech workers now, right? It's like they're overindulged and overcoddled. Right. Um, and then they're like horribly abused. Right. right? And of course those are directly contradictory uh, critiques. I do not feel sorry for anybody who works in tech, most, <laughs> except for the warehouse workers, which I do think. Yeah. Now the warehouse under. workers, what I would say, this is the other thing with Amazon is Amazon, unlike Google as an example, Amazon mm -hmm. has two has white collar and blue collar. Right. Um, and as I'm sure you did, I worked a lot of blue collar jobs. You know, mm -hmm. when I was coming up, I had like eight jobs that are kind of at various times that are like mm -hmm. the equivalent of the Amazon warehouse jobs. And like blue collar jobs are tough jobs. Yeah. Like you know, you work hard, and like I, you know, I, I worked in you know I. You know, I was a dishwasher at a restaurant in the middle of summer in Wisconsin. Wow. It's like 120 degrees in the thing, and you're on your feet for 10 hours. Like, blue-collar jobs are hard jobs. Mm -hmm. And so and the, the Amazon warehouse jobs are not easy jobs. Again, I don't see any evidence to suggest that they're worse jobs than if those same people went across the street and worked at a, at, you know, at, you know, at a store or worked at a golf right. course or worked at a restaurant or worked anyplace else or at a factory, anyplace else blue-collar people work. I think it's just it's a it's a demanding environment. It's a demanding environment for the blue collar people, for the white collar people. Mm -hmm. um, the other just ironic thing about the the whole story was um, we are we and our companies are desperately trying to pull people out of Amazon all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and so if this kind of thing was happening at Amazon, are you using it right now to it take would advantage be of it? No, because it doesn't work. Ah. it's because people the, the the as a as a pattern, the people at Amazon don't believe it. All right, um, and so it doesn't it doesn't work as a pitch. One more question: Do you feel like what you've done at HP has been a failure? Um, I think that I have no, uh, no, definitely not. It's in good shape in this split. Oh, so I, I'm a <laughs> to be very clear. So um, I am one member of a board of directors, right? No, which I, is I'm not blaming you entirely. So no, but you asked me a specific yeah. question, which is, yeah. do you, I think my work has yeah. been a success? Yeah. I, I've tried extremely hard to right. bring, you know, to bring to bring what I can bring into the company. I'm, I'm very proud of that. I think Meg, you know, I think Meg, Meg would confirm that. Um, you know, uh, the, com the company, I'm going to let the, I'll let the company speak for itself. We do all feel great about the split, the splits, in, you know, happening right, right makes now. Sense. Both companies, you know, seem very well set up Are for what they have to do. Are you feeling like it's set up for success now? Yeah. Well, I would say the management teams believe that. Right. Um, so just independent. Are of me. you staying on the boards? So I'm staying on the Meg's boards. I'm staying Meg's on the boards. enterprise board. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Last bit of questions. It's a few minutes. Um, you recently had a baby with your lovely wife, Laura. Excuse me. Yes, I did. Um, how is that going? Great. And how has yeah. it changed your perspective? Or? Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Is there a name of this baby? Yeah. Oh, John. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, All right. And and uh, what's the experience been like? People oh. are. I, mean, I was surprised you had a baby because you would said one point that you were never going to have a baby to me. And there well, you Laura and I were both a little, you know, it, it, it's been it's been amazing. It's been magical. Uh -huh. I, it had never really occurred to me that he would be like half me. Uh huh. I mean, it's just like looking at you. He looks like you. Yeah. It's like looking into your own eyes. Yes, it is. Which yeah. Which is something I had not realized. Yeah. 
Do you uh, like it? And then the other half is like looking at Alora's eyes, yeah. which I also love doing. And yeah. so like, it, no, it's amazing. Uh-huh. The single biggest thing, I mean, he's still very young. He's five and a half months. And so he's still, you know, yeah. just starting to get his bearing uh, on things. But um, it is really, people always talk about living in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I never had a lot of time or patience for any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, b- being with somebody, being with an infant that young, like they're in the moment. Like mm-hmm. there is nothing. It's just, it's really striking to me. Like, whatever happened 10 seconds ago makes no difference to him right. at all. And whatever's going to happen 10 se- seconds from now, he has no yeah. opinion on. Yeah. So whatever's happening right then. Right, right. Yeah. And right. so I, I really enjoy it a lot because it, like, snaps everything just cleanly into focus. Do you imagine your life changing because of it? Are yeah, you going to slow down? Yeah. I, well, I mean, yeah, well, I don't know. Probably yeah, morph a bit. Mm-hmm. I am I am rushing home. At, I'm rushing home to be able to see him before he goes to bed. Mm-hmm. Um, which you're able to do. Yeah, which, which I am able which to which do. Which you're able to yeah. do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you, uh, are you going to have more children? Oh, uh, I don't, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. 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 And yeah. do you imagine his life, what his life is going to be like? Oh, his life. I think when you think about be... screens and TV and all this stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, no, Laura has, Laura has imposed a complete screen ban, um, until age two. Really? Um, which I am violating, uh, ruthlessly. Uh-huh. Uh, and what do you impunity. do? Um, well, so poor baby. the two biggest hits. So no, my choice, poor baby, excuse me. <laughs> So my my choice are uh, Looney Tunes cartoons. So I'm, I've got all Amazon streaming actually has all the old. Uh, and what do you sneak the baby out and show them? So it's actually it turns out five thirty to six is my window. Uh huh. Um, because Laura's upstairs. Laura takes a bath before dinner, so she's taking a bath, and then um, and then he starts to get a little you know cranky right yeah. before dinner. Yeah. Um, and so we, we we pop on Bugs Bunny. Oh no. Oh yeah. She's gonna find out now, Mark. Yeah, yeah. No, she she knows. Okay, she knows. All she right. knows. And then the other um, thing I've discovered is um, YouTube. Uh, has tons of videos of, of other babies. Uh-huh. Um, they do. And so other babies laughing, other babies dancing, babies playing I recommend dogs. trucks. Trucks? Okay. Trucks. Okay, yeah. There's a lot of truck videos, yeah. truck yeah. things like that. And so he, is... yeah, he, he, I can get him like, completely zoned in on that. Um, and then at a certain point, he goes to the next step, which is he tries to eat the iPhone. Oh. But, yeah. iPhones but, are delicious. At least for a while. Not as, much, not as good as chicken, but, you know. At least for um, a while. Tastes like chicken. Um, so when you think about what his life's going to be like, I mean, you've been a punt, not a you talk about the future, a prognosticator about the future. What do you imagine his life is like? Well, I mean, it's the the world. I mean, you know, it's it's just you know he's going to be by the you know when he turns twenty um, mm-hmm. and sort of enters the world as a you know starts into the world as a fully educated person. You know, it's going to be what you know twenty thirty five. Like mm-hmm. I, I think the world's going to be a much better place twenty years from now because um, the consequence of the enormous. So you're a Star Trekian. No, I'm okay. uh, coming at it from a different angle. Okay. Um, the number of people in the world um, who are now going to be connected and as a consequence of being connected have access to everything from education, information, have access to markets, have access to media, have access to, like, you know, be able to be, be able to be more, world, uh, countries be more democratic, like all these forces that are going to flow from connectivity um, are going to really kick in over the next two decades. Um, and so the number of people in, it actually is kind of related back to the diversity topic, mm-hmm. the number of people in the world who are going to be able to contribute is going to ramp up a lot from here. And what um, does that mean? Well, it means like a lot more economic growth, I think, than people are anticipating, which is going to make the world a better place. But the other is just a lot more creativity, like a lot more art, um, a lot more, you know, a lot more music, a lot more, energy, like, but also a lot more business, a lot more products, a lot more inventions. Although I hate to be like a, a difficult person, science. but a lot more people on a planet that's rapidly. So like, actually, no. So what happens actually, so the. We're coral- all going to drink Soylent? No, 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 no. So the correlation is as incomes rise, uh, birth rates drop. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, in, in all the advanced economies now, birth rates, are, populations are falling. Um, and so if you want, it's, it's, it's now 
very very settled uh, sort of science on this is if if you want lower birth rate you get higher you need higher income levels mm-hmm. um, and so a consequence of of, of uh, rapidly growing incomes around the world which is what I think we're going to have over that so, time frame is going to be rapidly falling birth rates. So nobody gets born. We don't replace ourselves. Well, at, at some point, I mean, if you look at J- Japan, I would say Japan and then now Europe is this is mm-hmm. now kicking in in Europe. There are a bunch of countries in Europe that are depopulating. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, the ex-immigration that would be happening in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, <laughs> this goes back to you know this is where one of the ways like Trump is like 100 percent wrong, but like mm-hmm. it's like a huge boost to the U.S. that we have the level of immigration that we have. Right. Trump is wrong about a lot of things. But he's wrong a lot of things, but in this one he's really wrong, which is illegal. Undocumented immigration turns out to be a huge asset to the American economy because mm-hmm. uh, it keeps the working age low because the birth rate is higher. Like, but without that level of immigration, both documented and undocumented, we would have falling population, mm-hmm. which is a very bad place to get into. Because you basically just end up with all old people. So, last question: What are you worried about then? That's a very, you have a very positivity look. Oh, so the world is like the world wants to grow. Like the world mm-hmm. wants to, the world wants to grow. The world wants to become more democratic. The world wants to become more open. The world wants to have information spread. The world wants people to be able to participate in capitalism. Like the, these are very powerful forces, and they are all making progress. But there are, you know, there are enemies to every single one of these things. There mm-hmm. are a lot of governments that are not in favor of everything I just said. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of politicians who have agendas. You know, can get elected on the basis of you know outrage and, and backlash. Um, there are things that can go wrong all the time. You know, there's there's and in these series of potential crises. Um, but the world definitely wants to improve, and the world is definitely improving. So when you were thinking inventing the browser with your team with the team of people that did it, is there anything you wish you had done differently? Oh, tons. Yeah, got one thing. Long list, and we'll end on that. Um, I mean, there are so many things that had we known had we known how the internet was going to be used, there's so many so many things we would have built in. I mean, we would have, we would have built, as an example, like maybe we wouldn't even have internet advertising right now because we would have built in payments right up front. Right. Maybe everybody on the web would just automatically be participating in, in, in commerce. Um, we could have built in social networking up front. We could have made it a collaborative experience. Right. That it's only now starting to become. Right. There's an endless list of those things, and those all would have had ripple effects on all the different use cases. Back then, did you think it was going to become this? No. Were you? No. No, and in fact, in fact, as as we tell our founders about this, and in fact, there was at the time there was a wall of negativity, and mm-hmm. it was so contrary to the conventional wisdom at the Absolutely. time among so many people, right. um, uh, and it was so contrary to what all the big companies said. And software's still eating the like, world. Absolutely. Is it done yet? <laughs> no. 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 It'll. It, it's. It's a. It's actually a big. It's a big thing. Benedict and I debate because uh, he thinks it'll fade into the background, and I think it's just going to come more into the foreground. Uh-huh. It's going to be. It'll be become more central, not less central. Mark Andreessen, thanks for a great conversation. This has been Recode Decode with Kara Swisher. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week with more, including an interview with LinkedIn CEO Jeff Weiner. This has been Recode Decode, hosted by Kara Swisher. For more hard-hitting interviews with insiders from the worlds of tech, media, and politics, subscribe to Recode Replay on iTunes. Featuring candid conversations with leading voices like Snapchat CEO Evan Spiegel, Uber founder Travis Kalanick, reality star Kim Kardashian, Shark Tank host Mark Cuban, and presidential candidate Hillary Clinton, President Obama, and more. They're all on Recode Replay. Thanks for tuning in.